0: Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that because of what you did for us by sending your Son, my sin, oh, the thought, my sin, not in part, but in the whole, has been nailed to a cross. And those nails didn't go in an empty cross. They went through the hands and feet of my Savior, your Son. How we thank you that we could sing the truth and say it is well with our soul this morning. It is well with my soul. Though I fail you a thousand times, it's still well with my soul. And this morning, as we look at the Word of God and talk about one of the Godheads, the Holy Spirit, we pray you'd reveal the truth of what you say in this scriptures about his role in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled this sermon, Filled with the Spirit. It seemed to make sense since that was a passage said. And it's walking in wisdom. Walking in wisdom. When we actually go through it, I'll start with walking in wisdom and then go to the filling of the Holy Spirit, what that looks like. If you'll turn to Ephesians five fifteen through 21. Uh, I didn't do what Matthew does. I didn't look it up in the pew Bibles to tell you the page number. Sorry. Um, But I think they'll have it behind me, maybe. Uh, Maybe not. I don't know. I'll give you half a second to arrive there. We're in the second sermon of a four-part series on the Holy Spirit. And the preaching team met and decided to do this four-week series knowing fully that we would be foolish to think we could cover the Holy Spirit in four weeks. That's an impossibility. We could be here for the next rest of your life and not quite cover what the Holy Spirit is what he is and what he's done for us and what he does for us on a daily basis and um, the revealer of Christ himself in your life we could not begin to cover it but yet we think it's important that we preach and teach about the Holy Spirit because he is such an integral part of your Christian walk you did not become a Christian without the Holy Spirit I think you're there by now Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And the church said, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart, To the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So we begin this passage by talking about walking in wisdom. Walking in wisdom. So we look at verse 15 there. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Walk carefully. Walk carefully. Don't go through this world just blindly. It has the connotation, the meaning of walking accurately or precisely with great care. How many of you walk around your house with your eyes closed? No, you don't do that. You know why? Because that would be foolish to do that. And it would explain a lot of the knots on your head at that point. We walk in a wise way. We walk carefully, not as unwise or foolish. Biblically, when the Bible talks about unwise living or foolish living, it doesn't mean you're foolish as far as intellect. It doesn't mean you're not able or not capable to think. That's not what he's saying. What he says there is that biblically, it means you're living a foolish life of sin, a life of unbelief. So he says, don't walk like that. Now we're talking to a Christian audience here. That's who Paul's addressing. So he's warning them, as I'm trying to warn you this morning, don't walk in a foolish manner. You have available to you an ability to walk in a wise way, to walk in wisdom. We're going to tell you how to do that. Apart from God and against his laws. That's how you live when you live foolishly. You live away from God. You don't want anything to do with him. What's sad is you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and act like God doesn't exist sometimes. Sometimes you live your life like that. So we have to pay attention. Pay attention to how you walk. Plan it out. Have a plan of how you're going to walk. if you're in the foolish life and you don't know Christ the fact of the matter is you can't understand the truth you don't know any other way to walk but in a foolish way and you don't understand your condition this morning we want you to understand your condition we want you to understand how you can be acquainted with the one that's truth and that you can understand that truth the way to do that we're going to do it really quickly The way to do that is by placing faith in Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior, those of us who have placed faith in him. So I would just tell you early on in this sermon, if you're here as an unbeliever, if you're watching this online and you've never placed faith in Christ, you're walking a foolish life. You're walking a life that's going to end not good for you. It will not end well for you. And you will not understand the true joy of this life because you're not acquainted with the Son. The way to become acquainted with him is to understand that he truly was God. He was born of a virgin. We just celebrated Christmas not that long ago. He was born of a virgin. He came to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He who knew no sin, he had no sin in him, and he died on a cross on your behalf. The only one that can pay for sin is one that's never sinned. He's the only one who is the propitiation, he was the satisfaction of God the Father to watch his son be crucified on your behalf. So he satisfied the Father on a cross for you. Now what do you do with that? What can you do with that? Well, you can live and be perfect, right? No, you cannot live and be perfect. That's why you needed a Savior. That's why Jesus Christ came. So what you have to do is you have to be able to say, Jesus came, he died on a cross on your behalf. And then on that, he died on that cross. And he was placed in a tomb and buried for three days, just like they had prophesied that he would do. And then he was resurrected. And he's alive today. He went and ascended to the Father. That's what you have to place your faith in this morning. That's what you have to be able to believe, and not just believe as an intellectual thought. I believe that that happened. It's historically true. Well, they can't prove historically that it didn't happen. So yes, it is historically true, but there's more to it than that. Let me give an example. Give me a moment. Somebody moved this stool way over there. It was over here earlier. I want to give you a simple example. I believe it's a simple example. How many of you believe that's a stool? Yeah, and what is what is a stool for? It's to sit on. It's designed to hold a person up. Correct. Now you all believe that, just like you can believe that Christ came, born of a virgin, died on a cross, buried, rose again, sitting at the right hand of the Father. You can believe all of that. That's not faith. That's not faith, that's belief. Okay, you believe it to be true. Historically, that is true. Just like that stool, historically, is supposed to hold me up. So how do I prove that I have faith in that? I do this. I try and do GQ a little bit so I look good. All right, so you sit on the stool. You go, now this is what we call exercising faith in the ability of the stool to hold me up. So to exercise faith in Jesus Christ and what he did, I have to do something. I have to trust it enough to take it in, to fully understand it in my own. Listen, you've got to be able to do that or you don't know him. You've got to be able to say, I'm placing faith in that and that alone. Don't add anything to it. Don't add stuff to it. You'll make it void. Don't say, I'm going to do that plus this. No, there's no plus God has done everything for you this morning. He's done everything that you might live, a life of godliness and wisdom following after him. He's enough. He's enough. But to live foolishly is say, "My legs are really tired. I need to sit down, but I don't trust the stool." I'm really tired of living this life of misery and being worried about are the russians going to invade ukraine is is the united states what's going to happen to us i can't sleep at night thinking of it oh let me tell you how to get past it you rest in someone greater than ukraine you rest in somebody greater than the united states you find your rest in someone greater than russia or china or anyone else you place your faith in jesus christ and those things will still be realities But the reality above that is, I don't care. I'm going somewhere else anyway. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm an alien in a foreign land. So you want to live a wise life. A wise life. A a life of wisdom. Walking in wisdom. How do I do that? I get in the Word of God. That's one place I go. Colossians 3.16 is saying that you follow after the word of Christ, His word, the Scriptures are His words. Follow after Him. Let's—I I, I, got to read it. I have to read it to you. It's so parallel to this passage. Hold on. I can find. I know Colossians is in my Bible. It was there earlier. Colossians three sixteen. Kind of a. So, if you don't know Colossians and and Ephesians are very parallel books. Very similar. Very similar books. And so that's why I could run here. But let me read verse 16 to you. You have to bear with me. I left my reading glasses. I brought the wrong glasses. I don't have my reading glasses. Yes, I'm old enough to need glasses. I know I don't look it, but I am. Listen to this. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom. Hmm. Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Doesn't this sound like we just read in Ephesians 5? Yes. Because you know why? It's the exact same author, and he's writing the same truths. But he's saying, you've got to be in Christ. You've got to be in the Scriptures. Okay? So now, let's go back, because I want to talk about some other things. Okay, there's, a, there's imperatives here. There's, these are imperatives. It's a, an imperative to not live foolishly. Say, don't live like a fool. Live like a wise person. Those are imperatives. He's telling you what to do and how to do that. Okay, so then he says this. Another way of making sure you're living a life of wisdom is to redeem the time. Redeem your time. Making the most of your time, because the days are really good days. No, they're evil. They're wicked. And if he could write that back when he wrote it, which is about, oh, 2,200 uh, years ago maybe, or 2,100 years ago. I don't know. I'm not, maybe not right on that chronological, but it's a long time ago. And he wrote it. And he said that about the world then. He said it's evil. The days are evil. I want to say something to you. When you say the most of your time, is he saying like spend an hour, like you know, take, take the most of your time? No, he's talking about your life. Your lifetime. Don't waste your life by living foolishly. Don't waste your life. Redeem the time that God has given you for good works, for doing his will, not your will. The time, your lifetime as a believer or as a Christian, make the most of that time on this evil earth. It's an evil place we live in. We want to take as many people out of this evil with us to heaven, don't we? Take every opportunity in this life to worship and serve him. Beware of the shortness of life. It'll be over before you know it. You kids here in this audience that are in your teens, it seems like yesterday I was at Holy Ghost Hall sitting on the side in the back, and I thought life was going to go on forever. And here I am, 64, and it feels like yesterday. It feels like yesterday. And I know the people in this room that were at Holy Ghost Hall with me that were older than me at that time are going, He's right. It's gone by in a blink. The twinkling of an eye, life's like a vapor, he says. James 4, where he talks about that, I believe. Be careful, watch the time, redeem it. Don't let it slide past. Don't let one more day slide by without doing something for the kingdom. If you're not serving him, why not? He says in Ephesians 2, he saved you to become workmen. And then this, another important imperative in the passage. Understand God's will. Verse 17. I cannot please a God that I don't understand what it is he wants me to do to please him. Right? You can't please me if you don't know what it is I want you to do. You can't come to my house and work on it and let's say I wanted you to do something. You just don't show up and start working on something and hope it pleases me. You're gonna to talk to me, you're gonna study the issue, you're gonna look at a set of plans, let's say, if you're building something for me. So you're gonna look at things and say, this will please the owner, this will please the one that's paid everything for me. Right? So that's how you gotta look at it. So it says, then do not be foolish. So do not, another imperative, don't be foolish. Instead of being foolish, there's a, a little three-letter word in there in this passage that says, but, but. It says, don't be foolish, but. We're about to change. We're about to flip 180 degrees and go the other direction. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, wow. But understand what the will of the Lord is. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, it sounds to me like if, if he's doing this what I think, we're going, we're flipping, we're saying, don't live a foolish life, which is according to what you know and your knowledge, but get to know what God's knowledge is, and you won't live a foolish life, you'll live a wise life. Amen? Are you tracking? Am I talking too fast? Probably am. Stay with me. Let's take a look. I have some examples of what it looks like to Know what God's will is. And these are just a few. There's so many of them. You know why you don't know the will of God? Because you don't get in the book. You know, more people come to us as pastors, and I'm sure pastors have experienced this for the lifetime of the church. They want to know God's specific will about should they move out of California. I don't know. It's not in my Bible if you should or not. That's the thing between you and God. But what you should know is his will that's in the scriptures. Once you've got that figured out, then start asking me what other categories of his will are. But please do me this. Don't come to me and say, God has put it in my heart to leave California and have me talk you out of it. I'm not doing it. If God put it in your heart, then you've got to move. I won't be happy, but I know that you're in his will if that's truly what's going on. But listen to this, this: is a few of the things that I wrote down that I know is His will that people be saved. Right? You can affirm these. You can be quiet when Matt and Tim preach, but when I'm preaching, I want to hear from you. I haven't heard enough Watchmans, by the way, Willie. People need to be saved. He said that he would that all would be saved. They need to be spirit filled. We just read that in eighteen. We're going to get to it in a second. They need to be sanctified according to 1st Thessalonians. They need some we need to be submissive. We are going to suffer. Oh, it's the will of God that you suffer. Well, man, I don't like that one. Well, too bad. We don't get to make the rules. God does. He's the one we're pleasing. So I'm looking and going, you are going to suffer. What happens with suffer? Perseverance. Perseverance leads to character. Character leads to hope. More hope. So, yeah, you're going to suffer because he's maturing you. He's making you grow. He's causing growth in your life. When you got saved, you needed to be changed. You needed some suffering so that your character would be built, that your hope would change. Thankfulness, First Thessalonians 5. And then Jesus is our supreme example. Of God's will. He followed after God's will. He has followed after God's will from the beginning of time. Oh, even before that, for all eternity. Someone explain to me how long that was. I can't wrap my brain around it. It's been forever. He's just always been, and he's always been submissive to the Father. That's been his role. And he's followed after the leading of the Father. And he followed after the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now that's one sermon. So now we can go to the second one. Be filled with the Spirit. We're in verse 18. He says this. I just keep repeating them so you'll hear them well. Now we just come off of do's and don'ts. You want to live a wise life? Don't do this. If you want to live a foolish life, don't do this. That's foolishness. To be apart from God in this world is foolishness. So now he gives an example of a foolish life compared to a wise life. And it's this. Do not get drunk with wine. And do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation. Some of your Bibles will say it's debauchery. It's actually just foolishness. It's just foolishness. It's a foolish life to be drunk all the time. And it's not because the wine is evil. Wine itself is not evil. It's how much you drink of it that makes it evil. And the problem with, the, with alcohol and drugs is you start with a little, you drink a little too much, then you get to a point where you can't stop drinking. And now you really look like a fool. Not only are you acting like a fool, but you look like a fool. You ever been with someone that's drunk? You wouldn't say that they're rational. Let me give you a little story i at the age of 13 had to have oral surgery so i'd never been under an anesthesia that i knew of at that point point. and my mom had to have a lady drive us because we were it was back in the old days where we only had one car per family anybody remember that how in the world did we survive we asked the neighbor to help so this lady gives me a ride they do the surgery and I come out of the sodium pentatol, I think is what I was under. I can't remember exactly, but I was definitely not feeling much pain. And so uh, I had to be helped to the car and all that. And on the way home, we were about 12 miles from the house. On the way home, my mom and this lady, because I'm packed with gauze, they kept asking me questions. And they know I'm drunk out of my mind, but they did it anyway. And then they would laugh at my response because it was kind of like, a, you know, that type of a response. And they would laugh. And up until that time, I haven't been a violent guy. I haven't been since then either, I hope. But you know, I'm sitting there in the back of the car, and I hear them laughing at me. And my thought is, stop laughing at me. Stop laughing at me. And you know what? I felt empowered to do something about the fact they were laughing at me. So, the next time they laughed, I sat up in the car and proceeded to punch the lady that was driving the car at 50, 60 miles an hour in the back of the head. You know what that's called? That's called foolish living. But I did it. I was under the influence of something that was controlling me. And I felt empowered in that influence to do something I never would have done otherwise. Interesting, huh? They pulled the car over and my mom sat on me the rest of the way. Now listen, I want to say this Wine is not bad By itself it's not bad It's got alcohol in it And please nobody come to me and tell me That in the biblical times When Jesus drank wine It had no alcohol in it That's a bunch of poppycock We might say All right? Because if it didn't have alcohol in it What was the fear of getting drunk? I'm going to tell you right now You can go home On your way home Stop off and buy about Six uh, bottles of Welch's grape juice And drink all you want And see if it makes you drunk It will not It will make you detest grape juice though so, but in itself, in and of itself, it's not bad. It actually has a medicinal purpose to it, and I think biblically, it even talked about that. I think Paul said that, or if I'm not remembering, I think it was Paul that said, "Drink a little wine for your stomach. It will, it'll help the stomach." Huh? I know some of you that drink a little wine for whatever ails you. Um, I've heard it said, "Pastor, it's just for medicinal purposes." Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, so we have that But wine in and of itself is okay The alcohol in it is actually though What we call a depressant Its value is it depresses you And I want to ask you a question When you watch television And you see a beer ad Or an ad for Hennessy Or one of these, these god awful drinks That you put in your mouth is it, is it advertised in such a way That you think it's a depressant? no 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 you know what it's, it's, a, it's advertised as a stimulant but it's not a stimulant it's a depressant it'll take you up somewhere and then you'll crash that's what happens and it was not good for you if you use it in excess um, it's a sermon for another time for me to talk about alcohol and wine but it's not today but anyway I, I just wanted to point that out that, but guess what the Holy Spirit he would be more of a stimulant and he will empower you in ways that wine will never do you'll never be a fool for following after Christ and being filled by the Holy Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate stimulant impacting your life in positive ways so what does it mean how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit How does that happen? It's an imperative. It doesn't say try and be. It doesn't say attempt to be. It says be. Be something. That's an imperative. That's a a command that's coming out of the passage. Be filled with the Spirit. Huh. So we know from last week, Pastor Matt spoke, that's not indwelling. It's not the same thing as indwelling. Indwelling. Indwelling something different. I am, the Holy Spirit indwells me. Does that mean I'm being filled by the Holy Spirit? No, it does not. I'm definitely not all the time. I should be, but I'm not all the time. Okay, so it's not indwelling, and it's not the baptism. Okay, you're baptized into the Holy, with the Holy Spirit when you accepted Christ. You get him right then, boom. All right, and so he's there. You don't always depend on him being there, though. And that's what gets us in trouble. That's when we start living foolish lives. We want to live lives of wisdom. So it basically means this. To be filled with the Spirit, in my feeble attempts, is be controlled. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It's present tense. In the, in the verbs there, it's a present tense: "Be filled. Now, always be filled. It's not a past thing like indwelling. Indwelling was happened when I got saved, I'm indwelt. It happens. Boom, he's there. He's in me. But to be filled with the spirit, I have to constantly be doing it. Constantly be doing it. All right? So the characteristics of being filled. It's a command to be filled. And then, it's a repeated thing. Didn't just happen one time. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't happen once. It's multiple times. It's an ongoing thing. It's a present tense thing. You're to be being filled all the time. Be being filled with the Spirit. Okay? And it'll live to living a godly life. Here we go. Acts 2.4. What's it say? Filling is repeated... Unlike the indwelling, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's not indwelling, that's being filled. So they were filled at one time, but they didn't stay filled. You've got to keep coming to the fountain. Because here's the time you get under the fountain of the Holy Spirit, now you go pour out that, what He put in you, and you've got to get filled again. You've got to stay under the fountain. I like to hook an IV of Him up to myself. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit when he went and spoke to the exact same men that he had watched crucify Christ, and he denied Christ because he was afraid of them. Now the Holy Spirit fills him, and he speaks with boldness to the same men. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will embolden you. But Peter, that happened to him then, and then he spoke to them, and what did he say? The very same men that he was so worried about identifying himself with Christ, now he's saying, do whatever you have to do with me because I cannot shut up about my Savior. You know, if you have that person on the job and you just have not been able to figure out how to witness to them, you might want to ask yourself Am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? Another thing. Filling produces Christ-likeness. Being filled with the Holy Spirit produces Christ-likeness to you. But the fruit of the Spirit, oh, let me read it and go back. I have to read it. Let me, let me, I'm going to read to you in this passage. If I can get my pages turned here. This is Galatians 5. And I'm going to go back a little further than what I wrote down here just because I want you to see what you were and how he can change you. But I say, in verse 16 of chapter 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Hmm, sounds like something we've been talking about. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. I I call this in the Christian life bipolarism because you're not supposed to live this way but yet we're drugged back into it because we've got this battle going on between the flesh and the Spirit. The flesh and the Spirit. The flesh and the Spirit. It's a constant thing. All week long, you've had that battle. Now I'm going to show you how you can get victory over that battle, but you have had that battle. I have that battle. Anybody that says, oh, I haven't had that battle. Oh no, you have. Everyone does. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you let the Spirit lead you, You are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are this. So think about your week while I read this to you. Think about how you've lived. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Hmm. You think you're hiding it? I don't think you can. It's evident. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Disputes. None of you had any disputes this week, I'm sure. Disputes, dissensions, factions, ending, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is this: is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know what those things describe? They describe the life of Christ. That's what they describe. He was led by the Spirit. Did you know that? He was led along by the Spirit. And this is how He lived. He was led along to the Spirit all the way to the cross. Hmm. So, next point would be conditions of filling. What are the conditions for you to be filled? Well, first of all, if you're here with us, that's why we dealt with it early on in our sermon about if you don't know Christ, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior and taken him by faith, if you've never done that, what I'm about to say, you're not capable of doing. You are not capable of doing it. All right? So that's why we want you so badly to know our Savior. It takes a dedicated life to be filled with the Spirit. Conditions of filling is dedication. I have a dedicated life to the Spirit. It causes me, and here's the number one thing to it in my mind, I have to yield to what the Spirit wants. Stop saying what Larry Howard wants and start thinking about what the Spirit might want. That's why I read Colossians 3 to you, that you get in the Word of God so that you'll know what the will of God is so you can then line yourself up with that and the filling of the Holy Spirit will help you live that way. He'll bring the fruits of the Spirit with him. The question is, are you, today, do you feel those fruits are being fulfilled in you? If not, you might have to make some adjustments. That's the point of the sermon, is to make adjustments. You know, we come up here every week and we preach. And the point of us preaching is so that your minds can be transformed. Once your mind is transformed, now you know what? You know what happens after transformation of the mind? obedience takes place and obedience leads to great joy in the lord great joy so we come up here and we preach week after week after week not because we want to hear ourselves speak or i want to go home and watch it on tv later go oh look i was on tv oh man no that is not why Because we know that a church this size or any church, the church universal, needs to know the truth. So we preach the truth of the word of God hoping that it will transform your mind and then you'll become obedient to it and you'll become mature Christians and the fruit of the spirit that we talked about will be evident in your life. Yeah. That's why I study all week to preach. That's why I do it all week. It's a sweat labor to do preaching. Is it not? we got Pastor Phil in the room. Phil, is it not sweat labor to prepare to preach? Oh, he's got no voice. Perfect time for you to talk to Phil? He cannot speak right now. So it it requires a dedication, a yielding. And look it, it's voluntary. The yielding is placed on you to do. Now, he put the Holy Spirit in you. If you're not yielding, he's going to grieve you. So you will be miserable until you decide that you're going to submit to the will of the Holy Spirit. Anybody, and don't, don't raise your hand. Anybody have experienced that? I certainly have. I certainly have. Now listen, I think there's a, a general time where it happens and you do it. You let the Holy Spirit take over in your life. But you have to keep coming back to it, right? We've already talked about that. Listen to this. Here's what I say. The initial dedication... I use Romans 12, 1 and 2 because that's the one where I changed. That's where I suddenly realized, wait, I have to do that. I've been saved for a long time when I finally realized that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I read that passage and went, well, i got to do this now. Listen to what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and if you do things in view of God's mercy, you're going to do everything he asks you to do. Everything he asks you to do. It was by his mercy that he chose you before the foundations of the earth. Let me show you how good that mercy is. He didn't choose everyone. Hmm. Think about that. To offer your bodies because of his mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You can only do that while you're alive. Amen? He's saying make it a living sacrifice. So you can't do this as an unbeliever because you're dead to the Father. Right? According to Ephesians 2. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you transform your mind, now you know his will, now you have a chance to live the right way, to live a wise life. Not based on your wisdom, based on his. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Is your will perfect? Is your will perfect? Think about it. You know what your will is a lot of times? It's selfish. It's all about you. Who wants to be around someone like that? Raise your hand. Where you're around them and all they want to do is be about themselves. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be around them. I want someone that at least listen to me sometimes. No, his will is perfect. Perfect will. And then, so you, I would say, there's an initial dedication. It's an initial thing. It happens. Boom, boom. That's initial. It happened but it also has to be continual you don't do it one time and now you're good for the rest of your life no 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 listen when i got romans 12 1 and 2 in my head i wake up every morning now and it's been years i've been doing this i wake up with a song in my head that says i need thee lord today i need thee the other thing i do is i wake up and go okay lord You got me breathing still, so you must not be done with me, and I'm giving you my body today again, and I'm going to give it to you tomorrow and the day after. As long as I'm living, he's got me. He's got me. Valley Bible might not have me, but he's got me. Every day. And I'm sorry for the days when I didn't do it, because they were miserable days. You can't be a believer and a child of God and live on your own You're not designed to live on your own. He's supposed to be involved. Why won't you involve him? It's voluntary on your part. I can't do it for you. I wish I could. I've never found anything as satisfying as following after the Lord. Nothing. Give me money. Give you women. Give you drugs. Nothing will please like this. Nothing. I can make that promise. I've lived it. I've tried other things they don't please. Why would you not be filled with the spirit? Oh, because I just want to live a little foolish life. Well, that's stupid. Stop it. Please stop it. Not so that so that people around you will benefit if you stop. And we're going to talk about that. It's a continual dedication. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can live a victorious, undefeated life. Without Him, you'll be defeated every time. Every time. You're not good enough to make it on your own. You won't. You've got to depend on the Holy Spirit. And that could be a daily experience, the victory. Think about if you do that every day. God, you got my body today. you got me again today. I'm telling you, victory is yours. It's right at your hands. But you have to make a decision. And every day you make a decision. And like I said, I've done it where I've gone all day and think, man, things have gone rough today. What is different today? And then remember, oh, you just jumped out of bed and got the coffee in you. You forgot to talk to me this morning and give me your body Think of me yourself. You want to be controlled by the Spirit, not by your own desires. Your own desires lead to nothing but heartache. So victory is yours. Respond to the light of the word as it is continuously revealed, first revealed, John 1 7. Live a dependent life. Oh my goodness, the Old Testament is full of men that were being led by God and they had kings that were dependent upon God and great victory was belonging to them. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Get in the kings and look at them. Look at Chronicles. How many of these men, God did great things with them as long as they were dependent on him. But what happened was two little letters joined the party and they became independent. You know what I do as a pastor around here, I think, God, please don't let me get caught in the the counting the money or counting the heads at the church. Oh, I don't want to be independent. I want to be dependent on him. We've been dependent around here at Valley for 50-something years and we're hopefully going to be dependent on him for the next thousand years. I want to be dependent on him. And he says a dependent life has to be continuous. And the dependence of Galatians 5.16, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. It's a promise. It's not a, oh, you might not. No, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We read that earlier. So what's the result of the filling? Oh, there's lots of them. We've already said a lot of them. Some of them I'm going to repeat because they're just so good, you've got to hear them again. The number one result in my mind, and it's just my thought, I love this. If I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, I can be like Christ. I can be like Christ if I'm being led by the Spirit. If I'm not being, I can't. You know, he says in Romans that you can do nothing to please God in the flesh. Nothing. We've got people out here, they're gonna clean the beaches and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that and you got Buffett and Gates giving people millions and billions of dollars and all that. Oh, all the good things that the world goes, oh, yay! And God says, they're nothing! Apart from me, they're filthy rags. Nothing. It means nothing to God. He doesn't, he's not pleased with any of it. But you can give a dime in the offering because you got the right heart and you're being led by the Spirit. And God says, now you can do something. Now you got something. When you live by the Spirit, he says you can do all things by the Spirit of God. All things. Christ-likeness. I told you there's two aspects to that to me. One was that Christ was led by the Holy Spirit, so follow the example. Follow the example. You want to be like him? Hey, if I wanted to be like my dad, how could I do that? Follow him around, see what he's doing. Right? The other thing was to build to take the character of Christ, which the Holy Spirit is revealed by the fruit of the Spirit. That's his character. I want to say this. I was thinking about this as I was looking at this sermon. And I walked through it with the preaching team, and they said, You got to share that. You got to share that. I was thinking about my dad's life, my mom and my dad. A lot of you know them, a lot of you don't know them. My mom and dad, we grew up in Pentecostal roots. My mom and dad were pastors, and they were poor pastors. They were, we never given a whole lot of money. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade it as a boy growing up, up until I was 14. So from about four on, I'd say I could recognize and remember things better. I never saw my mom and dad fight. I never saw them cross words I just never all I ever saw my mom and dad do was love on each other and then when I hit 14 my dad got out of church got hurt in ministry came back to the Bay Area Thank God for Valley because it was a respite for me it was a rescue at that age you need your dad at that age you need church you need spiritual men around you I sometimes don't like that we separate high school from our adults because I needed adults. But my dad walked away from the church in a lot of ways and I saw him and my mom begin to fight. I'd never seen that. I was like, I would go to my room and I would be in tears like, God, what is going on? He wasn't being spirit-filled anymore. I mean, when I read this, I went, that's what was going on? He had walked away. He had turned his back on God. He wasn't spirit-filled anymore. He wanted what he wanted, even at the expense of my mom, which I had never experienced. But oh, thank God, he came back. God never left, but he came back. And I watched my mom and dad for the rest of their life. I never saw them argue again. Oh, yeah, don't tell me there's a practical application to being filled by the Holy Spirit. Can you, are you finding yourself always arguing and fussing with people? I don't think it's a fruit of the Spirit. You, we read the fruit of the Spirit, it wasn't in there. It was in the other category, wasn't it? When I'm led by my flesh. Stop being led by your flesh. I plead with you to stop. You will never, ever have joy until you're filled with the Spirit, following after Christ. And once you do, I promise you, you'll never want to return. You'll never go back because nothing back there you'll know, nothing back there will satisfy. The thing it does in the passage is it leads to a song of worship. It leads to talking to one another and we do that with spiritual songs and hymns. I was telling the earlier service, my dear wife, I wake up in the morning and she's usually up a little bit in front of me and so I'll get up and be getting my cup of coffee and I'll hear her whistling, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Or she might even do a little children's when Jonah go to Nineveh. I can hear there's always something going on. There's always a song in her And it's commanded. I'm like, oh, keep having a song, honey. Keep having a song because it'll lead you to the next one, Thanksgiving. Isn't it in the passage? Doesn't it say that in the passage? It says speaking to one another in Psalms. And listen, David used to speak to himself in the Psalms. Why am I so downcast? It's okay to speak to yourself. Just make sure not a lot of people are watching you do it. And then he says always giving thanks when everything is good. Is that what yours says? Mine says, always giving thanks for all things. All things. In all things, for all things. All things. Give thanks. Even in the suffering, because you know he's conforming you to himself. 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He, when you're walking according to the Spirit, you're willing to submit. You'll submit. Didn't Christ submit? Didn't he? He who knew no sin became sin on your behalf. He left heaven. He considered it nothing to be in heaven with his Father that he might come and fulfill what him and the Father and the Holy Spirit had laid out. that you might know him, that you might be part of his family. Oh my goodness. There should be a lot of watchmen's happening in the room right now. Submissiveness is an act of the, it's, it's not something you do naturally. Nobody submits naturally. No one. Your kids might submit to you because they have to. That's not submission. That's called Fear. It was not my household anyway. The other thing it'll do is lead you to service. You'll want to serve. You cannot be spirit-controlled and be spiritually minded and not want to serve. You're going to want to serve. Why aren't you serving? Are you just coming to church to check the box? Is that why God saved you? That's not why he saved me according to Ephesians 2. He said he would, he said, oh, let's look at it. I'm way over, but we're going to look at it anyway because I'll mess up if I don't look at it. What does he say there in... uh... Okay, here you go. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for laying around good works, which God be prepared be so that we would walk in them. You know what? You're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be walking in good works. You're going to walk in the works that are so necessary. All right, I'm done. I'm not really done. Like I said, it's a big subject matter. Heavenly Father, oh my, I pray that people this week, that they came here Sunday, all week long, they haven't had a song I pray that this message of being filled with the Spirit would be one that they take home, that it would transform their minds, that they would obey it, and that they could have a song all week long, and that they would share it with their wife or their husband or their kids, and that we'll see you change their lives. We'll see them mature. We'll see them come to maturity. Uh, We can't gain maturity without being filled with the Spirit. It's just not going to happen. You can't grow in this life without it, Lord. So we just say, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. There's been books that call him the forgotten God. Uh, This morning we remember that he's an integral part of our work, our walk, of our Christian life. And we say thank you for him. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, that he is the revealer of Christ in our lives. None of us would have known who Christ was without the Holy Spirit. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. I pray that your people will go from here and not... Lord, could just one little thing, could one thing that we said today, could they take it with them? They won't get to the lobby and forget already what they they thought they had decided to do. If if they have been convicted, conviction just means that they're being talked to, their heart's being talked to and saying, why don't you be more like Christ? Why don't you... I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now, you need to be more like Christ. And all you've got to do is depend on me and get in the Word. Oh, Lord, I pray they would do that this week. That they'll come out of here going, oh, I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And I'm going to make some changes. Don't let them forget the conviction that they have right now and the commitment maybe they've even made in their hearts to you, even during this prayer time. Don't let them forget it, Lord. Oh, we'd like for Valley to be a church where mature believers attend people that are being transformed by the renewing of their minds to an obedience that doesn't follow after this world. That's what we want for our church. That's what you want for your church. So that's what we want. Bless each one here, whether they're at home online watching us or here in person in Jesus Christ's precious name, our Lord and Savior, amen, amen. Thank you, guys.